Hey, you're listening to Mark versus the World. I hope you enjoy. The Portuguese word of the day is mestizos, which means mixed race, and of course that's linked to this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Mark vs. The World. Firstly, I'd like to apologise for the lack of guests on this episode. I really wanted to get someone else's perspective, but unfortunately the people I had lined up were unable to record in the sort of time frame that I would like to have brought out this episode. So you are going to have to just listen to me. You're going to have to hear my experiences and my opinions on what it is like to grow up being mixed race. And a bit of a, I don't want to say disclaimer, but don't use my story as a way to generalise every mixed race person based on my journey and my thoughts. You know, we are all individuals and we all have individual experiences that make us the way we are. So it doesn't mean that because I think a certain way, every mixed race person thinks the same way. So now I've got that all of the way, I'm just going to explain my thoughts and what it's like being mixed race. And I'll try and give you bits of my life. I won't try to waffle on too much. But I'm going to go from what it was like growing up at home to how things were like at school slash university to work and even like situations that occurred a few months before lockdown. And let's first start with, you know, my, my, sounds so bad. I want to say like my genetic makeup, but that just sounds so terrible. Let's talk about my background, my ethnic background, and then we'll talk about um, how it was like growing up. So... For those people that do know me, I've already explained this, but people that don't know, I have to explain that um, my mother is Jamaican. Her parents are from St. Elizabeth and Spanish Town in Jamaica, respectively. My grandma is mixed race and my grandfather's fully black. Then my father, who's half Nigerian and half white. Um, I've mentioned that in previous episodes. If you want to hear more about my dad, you can listen to my fatherhood episode. So yeah, my parents are sort of mixed and then obviously they had me. And I am, by virtue of their ethnicities, mixed. And I'm very fair and very pale. But the the, the issue I have with the whole, like, growing up mixed race, it's not so much an issue, but even though that is my ethnic, ethnic mixed, my mum and dad split up when I was very young, and I spent most of my, like, childhood to adolescence living with either my grandparents or living with my mum. And with my grandparents, as I said, they are Jamaican, so I have my grandfather who's from Spanish Town, my grandma, who's from St. Elizabeth, I pretty much, probably from birth till I was like, I don't know, 14, 15 years old, I didn't even consider myself a mixed race person. I know obviously I have the pigmentation and stuff like that, but I grew up in a Caribbean household and a Caribbean culture. So for me, I, I counted myself as a black person and it was more um, through school that I then kind of had to get to the realisation that, okay, people that look like me are obviously not fully black. And even though I grew up with my grandparents, who I am is more... Sorry, my ethnicity is um, is clearly mixed because my dad's mixed race, my mum is three-quarters black and slightly white, and I'm, you know, very pale with, with, soft, with quite soft hair and just, like, odd features that doesn't necessarily associate with being fully black. But anyway... I, I, I digress. So I grew up in a West Indian household. 
my grandfather was a very, very proud black man, taught me a lot about like black history, about things like to do with like African kings and so forth, because he was quite knowledgeable about that kind of thing. And he wasn't like the typical the stereotypical ignorant person from the Caribbean who denies that they have African roots. He he was proud of the fact that like we descended from from like Africans, from like proud people, civilized people, and if anything, he was he was probably slightly anti-white. If if I'm going to be honest with you, God rest his soul. I love the man to death, but you know I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna skirt over things. Yeah, he 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 wasn't. He, I mean, he was here because of you know economic reasons, not because he actually liked the country. And actually, if it wasn't for what happened to my mum and dad, my grandparents were planning to sell their house in the UK and move back to Jamaica. But because they didn't want me or my brother going into care, they they decided to look after us and and forego their plans to move back to Jamaica. But my granddad ended up dying here and he, I knew his dream was always to go back. He didn't come to the UK just to stay here. He did come here with the dream of eventually going back better off and being able to prosper and live off the land and so and so forth. Anyway, but because they are the biggest influences of my life, especially my adolescence, I always saw myself as a black person and I was always like, you know, there for like marches for, for for like I've always had that sort of I don't want to say militant because that's I think a word that sometimes people associate negative but I've always been proud of the fact that I'm black and I've always stuck up for black kids and even tell you an incident when I was going through school which is moving on a bit further when I was like 14 13 the, the ages of like year nine year 10 well year like year nine start of year 10 um I was in this play and when we were going to these drama rehearsals which is like a school play there was a character that was a slave and a white teacher said to a black African boy, oh, you should know how to be a slave, you're black. So she didn't direct that to me and she didn't make the comment to me, but I was the one that reacted the most to it to the point where I wanted this teacher to be sacked. I went to my headmaster. I even like threatened to wrote, uh, sorry, I threatened to write a letter to my local MP. I literally, and, and my school was one of those sort of, giant state schools where it has like one headmaster four deputy heads assistant heads and so forth there was always like there was like 1200 kids that went to my school so I literally went to everyone in the chain I went to her boss which was like the head of her department then I went to the like assistant deputy head then I went to the head I went to my head of house so I went to one of them schools that had like different houses so I went to my head house. I literally went to everyone and complained about this to get it done and all I got was like an apology the lady sort of said well I'm not racist because my boyfriend's black and you know, and she still got to keep her job. She did end up leaving the following year anyway, or I think she left like 18 months later after the incident. So before I finished school, she was gone. But the point is, it's like, even though she might have meant it as a bit of a joke to the person, you still shouldn't be making them sort of jokes. And I was the one that reacted, where obviously me with my little fair skin was the one that was getting militant. And when my mum came into school, my deputy headmistress, sorry, well... She's transgender, so Debbie Headmaster, let's be respectful. So he's he's she's now he, so yeah, be respectful. My deputy headmaster was asking my mum, why am I so militant and why am I so like got a chip on my shoulder and why am I so like uh, I think she said, Why are you so she didn't say why are you so black, because that would be wrong wrongfully quoting them, but it was on the lines of like why are you not letting this point go? Why do you care so much when you're when you don't look, when you're clearly not black. And because my mum's very fair-skinned, which she gets from her mother's side of the family, people assume my mum is more white or she's, like, Mediterranean or she's not even black. 
I mean, people that actually know people from like St. Elizabeth do generally recognise my mum. It looks like people that do generally live in the St. Elizabeth area of Jamaica. But yeah, even that, they were, they were like questioning why I was so concerned about something. And it's because obviously where I'm light-skinned, I'm pres- most people, and even like this is going to go further into school, going go to school, everyone in my class assumed that I had like a white mum and a black dad or, or vice versa, but they just assumed I had one parent that was white, one parent black. And even though I wouldn't say my school was a particularly racist school because it was a very cosmopolitan school, there was loads of, I, I would say probably 40% of my class and generally like the years above and underneath my school, uh, my years, sorry, in school, were quite ethnically diverse. I would say it's like 40 to 50% black or Asian. And then the other half was, was like white or other races sort of thing. So yeah, we went to quite a diverse school. But even in that, you would sometimes have like lunchtime little beefs and stuff like that where they'd say like, oh yeah, it's going to be blacks versus whites and stuff like that. And then you'd have like white people telling me I need to be on their side because I'm half white, which is not really true. And then I'd have black people saying, no, oh, no, you need to be on our side, this, that and the other. And like, you know, try and make derogative, both sides would try and make derogative comments about whatever they perceive to be the other side of me or whatever, but not realising. And it only, it took to me speaking to like a PSHE teacher to explain that what I don't get with my classes, I, I, I like, obviously I look the way I look, but I, perce- I perceive myself as black and this is why I perceive myself as black. And then we had a lesson talking about like ethnic minorities. And I think the subject was actually about that people from one race can't really identify people from other races and we talked about it and we had the discussion and I became the subject matter because they were like well look at Mark and then he would explain that well you guys you know when you have your little like lunchtime beefs or whatever you're trying to put him on one side or the other on the race card but he he sees himself as black he he lives with his black grandparents his mum's pretty much black and his dad's mixed race so he's he's more black than white but you guys are making all these assertions about him without actually ever really asking or having any conversations with him. And to be honest with you, I could have stuck up for myself and I could have said something, but I wasn't really that kind of confrontational kid. I was the kind of person that kept myself to myself. And even to the point where, like, fast-forwarding from school and going more into sort of, like, college ages, when I was, you know, I'm at that certain age, I'm starting to, like, you know, date girls and so forth, I would always get, like, for example, so, some some black girls would assume that I was, like, like one of those mixed race guys that sort of was more on the white side of his family and they they like assumed that I listened to certain types of music and I was a certain way and I didn't find black girls attractive or, or that kind of nonsense. And then also I would get like white girls feeling comfortable saying things that are kind of borderline racist, but it's because I'm mixed race, they assume that I will half not be offended by it, half will be offended by it. And it would be kind of things like, oh, I don't like black guys, they're all ugly, they all got big noses and so forth. But they'd be like, oh, but mixed race guys are really nice, I only like mixed race guys, I only date mixed race guys. And you're like, well, if you're dating a mixed race guy, so if, if the guy is definitely like mixed or is like half black, half white, you're saying you hate half of him, but you like the combination of both, which is, which is fucking retarded. And also, this is sort of like... I mean, I grew up in a time where a lot of girls were trying to have, like, beige babies, basically, and they were just trying to say they want, like, a caramel-skinned baby and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a great time, but it was a foolish time. And that's the kind of thing as well that I found it hard to, like, sort of have... I mean, when you're young, relationships aren't meant to last forever anyway. They are meant to sort of be periods of time, and it's a time for you to grow, find yourself. But I felt that I had to, like, sort of avoid all that because I was just sick and tired of the nonsense. I was sick and tired of, you know... If I, if I was chatting to a, a black girl, she's either 
one of the scenes I don't like, or, or once we get past that, it's like she only goes after light-skinned guys and she doesn't like dark-skinned guys. And even though that's more of a topic of colorism, which I've covered in a previous episode, it's still the kind of thing that used to like really piss me off. Because I didn't want... I, I, I was always about, like, like me for who I am. If you think I'm funny, if you think I'm interesting, if you think, like, you know, you think I'm smart, whatever. If you think I'm attractive, whatever. But don't just be, like, focusing on the pigment of my skin and then making assumptions based on the pigment of the skin in a certain way. I've even had girls that have said, like, oh, I thought you were a player. I thought you were a guy that, like, was a womanizer. You were a cheat, this, that, and the other. Purely because I'm a light-skinned or mixed-race-looking guy. And obviously, you know, I used to look a certain way, dress a certain way, and I'm from a certain area. And I grew up in South East London, which, you know, I don't know if it... Well, depending on whoever's listening to this episode, for some people, we men from South East London have a bad reputation with women. And I don't think that's fairly true either. I think it's just, you know, you have a bad... You have one or two bad experiences with a couple of people, and you're just painting brushes on people. And it's it's, it's just annoying. And, you know, the more I'm getting older, the more I'm understanding that, yeah, I'm, I'm probably, I am mixed race, but I still care about things that do affect black people. And I do care about things that affect all people, if that makes sense. You know, I'm not just the the one-sided thing. And I've also noticed that, like, in my time, obviously, I'm not the first mixed race person that ever existed. There's been more before me and more after me. But I think where I'm a child of the late 80s, I'm definitely at the start of the boom of mixed race. I mean, my dad is obviously mixed race. He's born in the 60s. But when he was born in the 60s in Liverpool, it was kind of frowned upon. And that's why his mum had to give him up and he was put up for adoption because of it, because of the how, how racist Liverpool was and that, like, white women didn't feel comfortable raising their black or, sorry, their mixed-race children because of fear of being disowned by their families or getting abused by neighbours or people in the neighbourhood in general. So, you know, it's a bit of a messed-up thing. Sorry, I digressed. But, yeah, so that that was sort of like... That's the kind of thing. And then, like, again, I, I mean, I'm not... I, as I said, I'm, I'm a mixed-race person that sort of grew up in a black household, so I have more black tendencies in terms of I enjoy more black music, culture, food. But again, with music, music to me now, as I'm getting older and being more open-minded, music is like a varied thing. Like, 20 years ago, when I was, you know, pre-teen... I probably wouldn't listen to certain artists that I love, absolutely love now. And it's more because of my environment, the people I know, my friends and family and so forth, they listen to certain music. I get introduced to that side of the music. And then anything that's not immediately recognisable, I'd be like, do you know what? Nah, do you know what? I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to listen to that. But as I've kind of, you know, grown, developed, we as we all do, I, I appreciate more different genres of music now. And for example, a few weeks ago, I had um, Adam Wedd on my episode absolutely love his music and I, I hope he, he goes far but again me 20 years ago may not have listened to that kind of genre of music through to my, through my ignorance kind of thing and that's the kind of thing I think people need to realise when, when you're mixed race there are like I've met a lot of mixed race people through life and stuff like that and I would say that there are some stereotypes which are kind of true because I think with all stereotypes there's an element of truth it just doesn't mean that everyone is the same if that makes sense like you will meet people that fit stereotypes, but you also meet people that are completely against or opposite those stereotypes. So, for example, the three main stereotypes I hear from people about mixed race people is that they are either more to one side, so they're even more on the sort of white side of the family or the black side of the family in terms of culture, music, this, that, and the other. I have seen this, but I feel that's also generally by 
like derived from the parent you're raised by and where you're living. If you're living in an urban area, then you're probably going to be maybe a mixture of both, depending on who your parent, which which parent raises you, or if both parents are in the picture. But if you live somewhere like in the suburbs in the sticks, which is going to be more like Euro Anglo-Saxon European people, you may decide to be more attuned to that, and that could be based on like the not I wouldn't say I don't want to go as far as to say it's abuse, but the kind of treatment you got as a young kid that made you shape your perception. I mean, I watched a documentary about a little about mixed race kids sort of that lived on the outskirts, and they did bits in Basingstoke, and I think a bits in Margate, if I'm correct. And the girl from Basingstoke used to straighten her hair. A little mixed race girl used to straighten her hair, and always want her mum to sort of make her look more European and put like foundation on her, which was a little a few shades lighter because. Not because the mum wanted to, but because she said she wanted to, because girls in her school would say that her hair's funny, that her skin's ugly, that she's dirty, and so forth. And she thought to be perceived as attractive, you have to look white. Obviously, this documentary, I think, was 10 or 15 years ago, so I'm not sure what's going on with that person's life or how they feel now. But that's that's the kind of thing. And then the third sort of thing that people assume with mixed-race people is that they're confused and they don't have no sense of identity and they don't know who they are. But if you are like again, my situation is different because I don't, I don't, I don't really have that kind of upbringing where I know about what it's like to be like an English British upbringing, if that makes sense. Because I never had that. But for some mixed race people, they they have the luxury of, you know, seeing two different kinds of culture and allowing two forms of culture to shape who they are and who they want to be. I'm not saying they're better off, but as we know with business and everything else, diversity, as much as like racists want to tell you that diversity doesn't help, diversity does actually help and it does make things more interesting. And also, if you have different perspectives, then when you deal with situations, you may have more ways of looking at a particular situation than someone that's maybe brought up in one particular regimented way. Again, decisions are all made by individuals and we make decisions based on our experiences and so forth. So I'm not trying to paint a brush, but I'm just saying that being mixed race isn't just simply... You're half black, you're half white, you're either more one-sided, you're more the other side, or you're too confused because you've got the mixture of two ideologies. And going now like to a example sort of um, when I was sort of like post-university and I was working part-time in a, in a certain phone shop, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, I used to work for a Nigerian guy called Olu. Me and, me and Olu used to get on quite well. I explained that my dad's like um, half Nigerian. I explained that like what from what I knew of like where my dad's where my grandfather came from in Nigeria and he gave me a bit more background and he gave me some like books on it and he gave me some information. But even though I got on with Wally and I respect him for giving me that information, so I learned more about my own sort of heritage and, and you know my background, he used to always call me confused because I'm mixed race. To say like I don't know what I want and stuff like that. And it's not more because I would I'd be confused on issues when it comes to like racism or bigotry or anything like that. It was just purely because I was a mixed race person. And he just thought mixed race people were all confused because they didn't know who they were or who they identified with. And I feel that, you know, like to me, I, I don't really believe in melting pot philosophy, uh, what do you call it, melting pot ideologies, which is basically you put everything in and we all come out one sort of colour. I'm, I'm more of a fruit bowl, salad bowl where, you know, a tomato is a tomato, cucumber is a cucumber, together they make a salad, but they can also be appreciated individually as well as eaten together kind of thing. And that's why I feel that's more of a healthy society because that's a diverse society. Whereas when you put everything in and want everything to come out the same, you are kind of forcing everyone um, to kind of like go into the one path, if that makes sense. So you kind of lose things by everyone kind of being the same, stuff like that. And, I'm, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, dis I'm not 
trying to be disrespectful to other mixed race people and stuff like that. It's just, you know, um, I'm just saying that, like, for me personally, and this sounds like me waffling now because I have been waffling for a while, I'm just trying to say that every human being is, is as individual as they want to be and one hat doesn't have to fit all. And if you're black, you don't have to follow certain stereotypes that go towards black people. And if you're mixed race, you don't have to follow stereotypes that are fitting of white, black or mixed race people. You can just be yourself, enjoy what you enjoy and live the life you want to live. So now the sort of concluding part I want to talk about is a few months ago, well not a few months ago, a few months before lockdown. So I think this was like either end of December, beginning of January. I was having a conversation with a white colleague of mine and we were talking about racism as a whole. And he was trying to say that police brutality doesn't really exist and this, that and the other. And that literally black kids need to stop being carrying knives and this, that and the other. And I was countering his arguments, just explaining that. For one, it's not all black kids that carry knives. For two, if you're stopping and searching only black kids, then you're not going to stop and search the white kids that might also be carrying knives. Also, police harassment is more like when you're coming to people's areas where they live and ask them what they do in there even though they live and then you're asking people what's the reason for them being there you're asking for id and you're asking teenage boys this thing and if you're getting bothered three four five times a week then it becomes a bit of harassment which he wasn't really getting but to conclude this he was saying that but why do you care so much about it when you're not black and i was like what the fuck do you mean i'm, I'm not black and then I, I went on a bit of a rant, probably slightly unprofessional rant, but I went on a bit of a rant just explaining like where my background is, how I grew up, and the fact that even if I'm 25% black to an EDL or racist right-wing person, I'm still a black person. It doesn't matter. Like racism and, and fascists and those sort of people, they do not differentiate my skin to someone who is darker skinned unless it's sort of like a, um, what do you call it? like a sexual fantasy kind of thing, you know, like some pervy kind of thing, that's what they might differentiate. Like I, I've, I've, had, I've had, like, white friends try to tell me that, oh, I really want to sleep with a black girl. And I'm just like, what, what the fuck, mate? Like, I don't, don't, they just want to sleep with a girl because she's black, just say you want to sleep with a girl because you, you want her desirable. But also, you know, get to, get to know her in it, talk to her, see if you're actually compatible, if she's even interested kind of thing. But then just pervert her just because of the shade of her skin sort of thing. But anyway, I have kind of gone off topic a few times. This is just literally me expressing my thoughts of what it was like growing up mixed race. It can be good, it can be bad. I mean, everyone has different experiences. I found that I, you know, like I've got some great friends who are of all kinds of backgrounds. I've got great white friends, mixed race friends, black friends, Chinese friends, and, and so forth. I feel that you always make good friends providing that you, you know, find good people and people that will, like, you can relate to, but people that also don't judge you and assume things about you based on you. And also, if someone makes an assumption and you correct them and they kind of, like, say, oh, sorry about that, and, you know, they, they kind of, like, fix up and, you know, become a bit more wiser, you know, less ignorant, then it's fine. But it's the people that kind of maintain their ignorance or kind of get defensive when you call them out on their shit. That's, that's the people you kind of need to avoid. So growing up mixed races, it's not... I'm not saying my life is any harder than than any, like, like a, a black teenager living in a state in London. I'm not trying to say that my life is any worse than an ethnic minority living in a very uh, white area. I'm not saying my experience is any better than, for example, a white person living in a very ethnically diverse area who feels they are marginalised or whatever. I, I can't really comment because I've, I've not had those lifestyles. And again, I don't know how it is, like, 
when you are a different mix to say you are Asian and white, Asian and Arab, Asian and black, or, or, or any other like Polynesian and, and mixed with something else. I don't know everyone's journey, not everyone has the same journey, but if you ever want to inquire, it's always good to sort of ask people in a tasteful way and if they want to talk about it, because not everyone wants to talk about it because it's their private business, but I feel that, you know, with being mixed race or any race, you kind of should have open conversations with people and not just assume things and make assumptions. Anyway, guys, thank you for listening. I do apologise for waffling on. It's pretty much been from the dome apart from the first bit because, you know, I thought let me write something clear and concise so that you guys understand what what's going on with this episode and stuff like that. And thank you guys for listening and I hope you enjoy. And hopefully in my next episode I'll have a very special guest. Take care.